How you doing then? How are you doing? That's the question. It's the only question. It's a Thursday, the 21st of October 2021. It's me, your BBG, with you till 7 o'clock. Nice to be with you, to be with you. Nice. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on RichieAllen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Now, at the top of the hour, Max Egan will be on the program. Very old friend of mine. Been speaking to Max now for the best part of a decade on the wireless, on the radio. Max is in Mexico. He has essentially fled Australia. I won't say too much more than that. If you follow Max, you'll understand what's going on. He'll join me at the top of the hour. And if you'd like to say something to him, go to my website. It's the top of the page. Comment live Thursday's Richie Allen radio show live from BBG Towers. Yeah, don't do that again. BBG Towers. Asher, you can't base a bit of Irish dancing. I did a little bit of Irish dancing in primary school in St. Saviour's in Ballybeg. It would have been 1979-1980 with my little grey trousers on me and my little gansey, my little grey jumper with my hands glued to my sides. Would have done a little bit of Irish dancing, but I had no, no aptitude for it, no ability for it. So my Irish dancing career ended there in first babies. That's that's stuck, that. That's actually stuck. I was in touch with an old friend of mine in Ireland a week or so ago who has young children. And he was telling me that his sister has a four-year-old child that's about to start first babies. In Ireland, you see, you go into primary school when you're four and you do junior infants and senior infants. Then you do first form, second, third, fourth, fifth and sixth. But we say first standard, second standard. And they still say first babies. What class are you in? I'm in second babies, as it happens, second babies. That's right, yeah. Anyway, did a bit of Irish dancing. Who knows if I had the aptitude for it? I might have, I don't know, I might have been stood alongside Michael Flatley in 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 places, in venues as as beautiful as the Royal Albert Hall, maybe. Who knows? You never know. Now, uh, Max Egan later on, between now and then, you and me, well, we're going to have a conversation, is what we're going to have. It was a cold one this morning, Arctic breeze around the north of the UK. Cold it was. I had me big parka on in the park. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then the dog found a mud pit in the dark, found a proper mud pit, went straight into it with her mate Bailey. Leia and Bailey, the retriever and the Labrador, two girls, giddy little bollockses. Get the hose is a commonly heard phrase around our houses, yeah. So freezing, but apparently it's going to be more seasonal tomorrow, not as cold, but it's been chilly around Salford today. Like I said, comment on anything you hear through my website, richieallen.co.uk. Now, the British Medical Association has accused the government of being willfully negligent in its response to the COVID because of rising COVID cases. 
they want restrictions to be imposed immediately. The BMA, the British Medical Association. It wants the government to trigger the so-called Plan B. Remember last month when egg-headed Sajid Javid laid out the government's plans to deal with the old COVID over the winter? There were two approaches, Plan A and Plan B, and we're kind of in Plan A which is constantly offering boosters and boosters and boosters to people and offering a jab to 12 to 15-year-old healthy children. That's where we are now. But if they trigger Plan B, mask wearing will be mandated, social distancing will be back, working from home again will be encouraged, and possibly a vaccine passport scheme. Now, the government has said all the time, hasn't it, my dear friend, that Plan B would only be triggered if the NHS comes under sustainable pressure. So that's one of the big stories today. Act now, mandate the masks now, social distance now, work from home now. Cases are rising and the NHS could collapse. But there isn't a pandemic. As I said today on my own website, there's a case-demic which is being driven, of course, by the testing regime. And if people refused to be tested, particularly those pesky, non-symptomatic people who are just fine and dandy and haven't sneezed in God knows how long, what are those insufferable gobshites doing taking a test when there is nothing wrong with them? But you can't speak to these people. They continue to test themselves, like Egypt's, two and three times a week. And as for the NHS being overwhelmed, it's overwhelmed every single winter. Now, you're getting tired of me saying this, I know that. I know that because I'm capable of astral projection, and as I'm talking to you now from BBG Towers, my physical body is here talking, but I am in astral projection mode, and I'm just above Morrison's Avenue in Waterford City. I can see you down there, Claire, shaking her head because he's mentioning the NHS pressure again. Stop it. Stop it. I have to mention it again. Back in my own body now. Have to mention it. It happens every single winter. They halved the number of beds in this country in the last 30 years, while every year the country grows in size by a city the size of Cardiff. Now, you don't have to be a mathematician to understand that's a big, big, big problem. Take out so many beds, let let the population grow in such a way, you're going to have a problem. In the wintertime, it happens all the blooming time. And of course, they took away more hospital beds last year to cope with COVID patients for the old social distancing. That's what's going on. So the, the, the hospital crisis is an absolute given. It's nailed on. You could bet the farm on it. I think I might have said that on the website today. Don't forget the NHS is missing tens of thousands of doctors and nurses right now. Would you believe it? This afternoon, I won't bring you the clip. There's no need. You know that I don't tell you lies. A former head of the Royal College of Nursing a a, a lady, was on Sky News this afternoon. She said there are 40,000 nursing vacancies in the NHS right now. And we know from the media in the last couple of weeks, tens of thousands of doctors are needed as well. Again, dear listener, do you need to be a mathematical genius? 
half the beds today that we had back in 1989. Eh? Eh? Vacancies for 40,000 nurses. Tens of thousands of doctors down. And the spectre of care home workers and social care workers losing their jobs because they don't want to be jabbed. The crisis is guaranteed. No bookie, whether it be Paddy Power, Ladbrokes, they wouldn't take a bet on the overwhelming of the NHS. It's guaranteed. And what will come with that? Tyranny will come with that. Tyranny. But we live in a post-truth world now. Something I've been saying for several years. It matters not a damn. So the doctor is telling you to bring back the restrictions and saying the government is willfully negligible. That's one of the big stories. The other big story today is booster jabs. Get your booster jabs. Get your booster jabs. All day. Today. Let's rewind 24 hours. The health secretary, the aforementioned egg-headed Sajid Javid, gave a press conference about jabs. Now, you could write on the back of a stamp what Sajid Javid knows about health. The little bollocks is an ex-banker. This is all part of the gaslighting programme, you see, to drive you mad, because none of it makes sense. Why would you give a guy the job of running the National Health Service if the guy couldn't put a plaster... On an ingrowing toenail. I was being ironic there. Think about it. Back to the press conference yesterday. Here is the most important segment or section of it. Sajid Javid, the health secretary, talking about the boosters. First, we'll redouble our efforts to encourage anyone who's eligible to take up the initial offer of a jab. There's almost 5 million people over the age of 16 that remain unvaccinated in the UK. It might be someone you know, a friend, a family member, a colleague. And if you do, tell them that it's never too late to come forward. So if you yet haven't had your jab, please take this huge step to protect yourself and to protect your loved ones. Ask not what you can do. Or ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Second, we've extended the offer of a vaccine to more and more people, including young people aged between 12 and 15 years. And we'll be making it easier for them to get protected by opening up our national booking service so they can get their jab at a vaccination centres across the country as well as at school. Third, We've also started rolling out our booster programme, which is vital to keeping us safe over the coming months. Because although our vaccines offer powerful protection, we now know that the protection that you get from a COVID vaccine reduces materially over time, especially in older people who are at the greatest risk. This is one of their big this is one of their big things now is that the vaccines only protect you for about six months. Then the protection begins to wane, so you really need to have more. Yes, that's what they're saying. And without delivering a top-up of protection through a booster dose, we will see a real-world impact. As well as this, COVID-19 mutates like any virus. And we're identifying new variants all the time. 
This includes a new version of the Delta variant, which is currently known as AY4.2. And that new variant is now spreading. And while there's no reason to believe at this point that AY4.2 poses a greater threat, the next variant, or the one after that, might do. Yeah, so AY412. So we need to be ready yeah. for what lies around the corner. We need to be ready. So AY412, we don't think there's any reason to suspect that it can evade the jabs, but the next one, or the next one after that, might do. This never ends. And uh, I've been writing about this this afternoon, but if you've listened to me long enough, you will know that I've been banging on about this since, well, since last summer. Since last summer. This never, ever, ever ends. It never ends. <laughs> and it's never meant to end. 96 million jabs they've given in this country. 96 million. I think I said yesterday, I'll, I'll say it again, it bears repeating. It's astronomical. Just to think about that. 96 million. And yet it goes on and on and on and on. With no end in sight. And there's it, not meant to be any end in sight. Little bit more from Javid's press conference yesterday. This means our ongoing programme of booster jabs is so important and this winter we're prioritising those most in need. Today we've reached a milestone of four million top-up jabs in England but we need to get even more people protected. We've got the jabs, we just need the arms to put them in. Wow. We have the jabs, we just need your arms. So just give up your arms. Lay down your arms. Is that a bit of, um, is there something going on? Is that a bit, bit metaphoric there, is it? By Javid. We've got the jabs, you've got the arms. We want your arms. There might be something in that. Here's more. If you've got 50, if you're over 50 or in another priority group and had your second jab over six months ago, you're eligible for a booster and the NHS will send you an invite. If you haven't been invited within a week of reaching that six-month milestone, then please get onto the National Booking Service and book online or phone 119. Not just to save lives, but to keep your freedoms too. Because all of these precious moments that we've been able to restore over the past few months, the loved ones that we've been able to see and the collective experiences that we've been able to share. They've been possible thanks to our vaccination program and because of so many of you that came forward when it was your time. Vaccines equal freedoms. And if we want to secure these freedoms for the long term, then the best thing that we can do is come forward once again when that moment comes. Yeah. The gloves are off. Now, I wrote about this today. The gloves are off. I, I did say last year that this winter, winter 2021, this is where it's really going to kick off now. It's meant to kick off now. This is where the gloves are, are off. I might have said today, it's not so much that the masks have slipped from the faces of these people. They've taken them off and thrown them away. That's where we are now. You know, you want your freedom, get your jabs. Take your medicine like good children. That's what they're saying. But, you know, it's got to dawn on people, I'm just repeating what I said a moment ago, it must dawn on people that it doesn't matter how many jabs they get. Freedom will never come back. 
Many of them will inevitably get sick and die. I believe this now. I absolutely believe it. Freedom is not coming back the more jabs you have. It isn't. He's a Nazi thug, Sajid Javid. There might have been a time some years ago when, not because I feared any reprisals, but I would have been conscious, very conscious of professionalism and thinking a lot about not saying things like that. And maybe that does lend to some sort of self-censorship then. But I wouldn't have thought of it as self-censorship. I just would have thought, look, keep a modicum of decorum in your presenting and don't use that sort of inflammatory name-calling. Well, you call a spade a spade, right? He is a Nazi thug. He is saying people should be jabbed in return for their freedoms. They don't want to be told that they can't have a big gathering in their homes at Christmas and have all the aunties and uncles and grannies over for the Christmas dinner and the pudding have your jabs. But I tell you again, if you're new to this programme, it doesn't matter if you have 10 jabs each between now and Christmas, they will still lock down because this is not about a virus. It isn't. That's not conjecture. The gloves are off now. And while this is going on, the media is collectively involved in radicalising the jabbed. What do I mean by that? Well, they're essentially radicalising those who have been stupid enough to go for their third booster or have their first two jabs. They are turning them against those of us, you, presumably you, although I don't know, but me, the unjabbed, turning them against us. The media is priming the jabbed to blame the jabbed for the tyranny to come. I warned about this as well last year. And earlier this year, I said the winter would be biblical when it came to turning father against son, son against father, brother against sister, over whether you've had the jab or not. And we're here now. Uh, Burley, as in Kay Burley, Sky News presenter, had on the former Prime Minister and mass murderer Tony Blair this morning. Blair said the unjabbed can kill the jabbed, and he said more than that. Here he is firstly urging the jabbing of children and pregnant women. Tony Blair. We need to accelerate the vaccination of children. Uh, we're falling quite far behind now. Um, France, Italy, Germany in the vaccination of 12 to 17 year olds. And we need to make sure that pregnant women which are, uh, who are making up a, a quite large proportion of those people in ICU at the moment, we need to step up the campaign to reassure them that vaccination is sensible and they're much more at risk of COVID than they are of any problems resulting from vaccination. That's not true, though. And I can say that isn't conjecture either. I'm telling you the truth. It is not true that they are at more risk of getting COVID pregnant women than than they are of having the jab. That is bullshit. And funnily enough, during that conversation with Burley this morning, which is on YouTube, on Sky News YouTube channel, Blair made a point on two different occasions to urge children and pregnant women to have the jab. Children and pregnant women. Children and women with children inside them should have the jab. What does that tell you? That was Blair. Here's a bit more from Blair in the same interview. The truth of the matter is the evidence that vaccination works is literally, hey, it's overwhelming. I mean, there's just, 
There's no doubt about it at all. And by the way, Pfizer and AstraZeneca are both excellent vaccines, as is Moderna and other vaccines. So you've got, you've got a situation where once you, if you really take this out to people and say to them, look, just look at the data, it's clear. You know, vaccination works, the absence of vaccination, your failure to get vaccinated doesn't just put you at risk. I think this is what is important. In a way, if this were just a personal decision for people and you get vaccinated, you don't get vaccinated, it's you who suffers if you don't. But it's not you who suffers if you don't, simply. It's also other people. And there are people who are unvaccinated. They come into contact with people even those who are vaccinated now, they can still transmit the disease. And if those people have got a serious underlying condition, they can actually die as a result of that. So Yeah, that's important that. None of this was challenged by the hapless burly, you know. You don't, simply. It's also other people. And there are people who are unvaccinated. They come into contact with people, even those who are vaccinated now, they can still transmit the disease. And if those people have got a serious underlying condition, they can actually die as a result of that. So I think, you know, I understand people's objections, but at some point you've got to say to people, look, the evidence, not just from Britain, but around the world is crystal clear. There's, not, there's, there's no serious person disputing it. And to get vaccinated is, is actually part of your, it's, it's almost part of your civic duty. Yeah, the jabbed can kill the unjabbed. Excuse, well, that's true, maybe. Maybe that's true. No, Blair said that the unjabbed can kill the jabbed. He said no serious person disputes any of what he said. Well, I can name a half a dozen, including Harvard University professors that have been on this programme. But I won't get into that. And then he said it's your civic duty to be jabbed. Now, this is important because I have said this to you before. It's not fear porn, not trying to scare you, and I'm not trying to make you uneasy. But you've got to know this. They will not tolerate you not having the jab. And this is important to remember. This idea that we had, whereby we could say, right, I'm never having your jab, ever. And if that means that I end up ordering my food online, and if that means that I don't get to go to the pictures or to see the new Tom Cruise film, and if that means I don't go to Manchester Arena to watch the Eagles when they come back on tour, that's fine, I can put up with that. No, that's not the way it's going to be. We've got to understand this. They will not tolerate you or me not having the jab. There will be no, yes, okay, you go and live over there then, and you don't participate in society. We'll have all the fun. No, there won't be any of that. They will come for us in the end. And I have been doing this program for seven years. I am a responsible broadcaster. I have never said anything to you in that time or in my previous career that I didn't believe to be 100% accurate. I believe that. I believe that in the next few years, someone is going to come to my door and tell me enough is enough now. You've got to come with us. Listen to the language they're using. We'll hear from the current Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, in a minute after a tune because it's 23 and a half minutes past five.
This is Squeeze. Support Richie now by making a financial contribution at richieallen.co.uk. Welcome back to the programme, 27 minutes past the hour. Hope you're in good form despite it all. And it's only the beginning, isn't it? We're, we're not even really at the beginning of winter, but uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. Mentioned the current Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, before the musical interlude. Here he is speaking this afternoon. We don't want to introduce restrictions, says Johnson. Just have your booster. Continuing with the, the plan that uh, we set out in, in July, which was an ex- itself a, an extension of the, of the roadmap that began in, in February. And yes, we're watching the numbers very carefully uh, every day. Um, and yes, you're, you're absolutely right, Tracy. The, the, the numbers of infections are high. Um, but we're within the parameters of what the predictions were, what uh, SpyM and uh, the others said we, where we would be uh, at, th- at this stage, given the, the, the steps that we've taken. So we're sticking with, uh, with our plan. I think the most important thing people can, can do now is just get that booster jab. Uh, get your, you, know, you get the call, get the jab. Uh, we've done about 4 million booster jabs already, uh, but as soon as you uh, become eligible, as soon as you get that call, everybody over 50 should be getting that jab. We're in a much better position going into the autumn, the winter now than we were 12 months ago. Incomparably better because of the huge level of uh, protection that we got from the vaccines. 90% of of the adult population has antibodies right now, but we must fortify ourselves further. Yeah, do you know, 90% of the UK adult population, allegedly, has had two jabs now. Allegedly. Remember back at the beginning of all of this, 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 this whole scam, when the jabs became a thing, when they said, we've got these jabs in development at light speed. It's an amazing scientific achievement. We've got them. Remember they said 15 million jabs to freedom? 15 million. Remember back then, I said on this programme as did some of my guests, what a lie that would be, is that it didn't matter how many vaccines they gave people or jabs they gave people, they would constantly say, waning immunity, new variants, it would never end. 90% of the adult population in this country has had two of their so-called COVID jabs, and yet we rumble on. Get that booster jab. Get that booster jab. Yeah, it's kind of catchy, that, isn't it? Get that booster jab, I said. Get that booster jab. Yeah. Might release that. I don't know. Do a duet with Bojo. Get that booster jab. Get that booster jab. Mm. He said four million, didn't he? They've given out already. Four million. Uh, comment live, richieallen.co.uk. At the top of the page, richieallen.co.uk. That's the way to speak to me. Hi to Dolores, who says, we'll be much better protected with high doses of vitamin D3. Indeed. That's a conspiracy theory, Dolores. How dare you? How dare you say that vitamin D3 or vitamin D, or zinc, or vitamin C, are better than a pile of toxic pus and shit. How dare you, Dolores? Get off of my, get off of my life chat, you conspiracy theorist. Hi to Chris Morell. Hi to Chris and Emma, who say, who say, collectively, presumably, see you all in the gulag. Will it be blindfold and firing squad, or forced vaccination? I'm losing my career of 14 years on the 11th. They can stick their jabs up their arses. Losing your 14-year career because you refuse to take a dangerous and completely unnecessary medicine. 
I mean it when I say I'm sorry, Chris or Emma, whichever one of you it is. Well, I can't say anything that's going to make you feel any better, so I won't even try. James says he wishes the politicians would read the New Testament. They are acting like Pharisees, he says, and when all is said and done, they'll be the first ones to drop. I don't know about that, Chris. The the Mail Online was running a story, did you see that, about a group of so-called anti-vaxxers who ran into a a medical centre, was it, or a hospital, threatening Nuremberg trials against people, a bunch of real Egypts, did you see it? Not that I'm, listen, people are free to do what they want to do and say what they want to say, so I'm not saying they shouldn't do this or they shouldn't do that, I just think they're a right bunch of Egypts, attention seekers, running into hospitals and handing folders to people and saying, oh, you're going to be going to court and all of this garbage. Do you see that? The media had a field day with it today. I don't know who's involved in it and I really don't care. The truth or industrial complex. I've said too much about it over the years. I should stop now. Yeah. Davy says, Richie, how does Blair sleep in his bed at night? No idea. Maybe Blair got off on murdering a million Iraqis. Maybe he gets a sexual thrill from thinking about it, maybe. I don't know. Does he look haunted, Blair? At times you see photographs of him and you think, there's a guy with demons. Other times, I don't know. I'd like to think that when Blair goes to bed at night and lays his head down on his feathered pillow, I'd like to think that he hears and sees the demons coming down the line. But then that wouldn't make me a very nice human being. Whatever is coming for Blair, let it come for Blair. I shouldn't be taking any joy in it. I don't know how he sleeps at night, to be honest. I don't know. I've made mistakes in my lifetime that haven't really hurt people. You know, I've never hurt anybody, really, in my 46 years on earth. But I've made mistakes and I've said things I shouldn't have said. And I've lost sleep. That's minor compared to wiping out a million people, isn't it? And that's what he did. That's not an exaggeration. He oversaw the destruction of Iraq. The killing of a million and making or rendering homeless three million more. How that fucker sleeps at night is anybody's guess. But as I said, maybe Blair gets off on it, maybe. William says he's he's a satanic monster. He might be. I don't know. Hi to Patrick, hi to Caroline Feely, to James Dinsdale, to Alan in Liverpool, hi to Chris in Sweden, to Pirate Roberts, to Rob, to Jason Williamson. Do speak, do chat amongst yourselves there on richieallen.co.uk. Do that. It's exactly 26 minutes to the top of the hour. We heard from Johnson, didn't we? Okie doke. Over on Channel 5 this morning, the Jeremy Vine Show... Not attended by Jeremy Vine himself, but presented by someone else. The psychologist Lucy Beresford is a celebrity psychologist, allegedly. She has her own thoughts on the unjabbed. I'm staying with this theme momentarily because it supports what I said at the beginning. They're coming for the unjabbed, but they're also radicalising those who've had the jabs against you and against me. This is a real agenda now, right? When it gets, when the shit hits the fan in the winter, the government and the media would prefer that the people of the UK and America and Ireland and everywhere else, that the people do not turn on the authorities and the media 
but that they turn on the unjabbed. Listen to Lucy Beresford on Channel 5 this morning. And whilst a lot of the talk last night was around people signing up for their third booster jab, he was more concerned about uh, what he considered would be six to 700,000 people who have yet to have one jab. He thinks they are the ones that are putting us at risk. It's about five million in the UK. It depends on who you believe. Some media reports have said that five million people have said no. Not a chance. And I think there's also almost a moral pressure whereby you feel that the rest of us are doing our bit. We're doing everything that we can to break that link between infections and hospitalisations, which is so key to protecting the NHS. But if there's a large cohort of people who are actually ignoring that advice or choosing not to take up the opportunity to have a vaccine, at some point, there must be some kind of penalty for that. There must be some kind of penalty for that. Some kind of penalty. This is Channel 5, national television station, mid-morning television, and a psychotherapist is looking down a camera saying there should be some kind of penalty. The rest of us are moral. We're morally decent citizens doing what we can to protect the NHS and to prevent cases from rising. At some stage there needs to be a penalty for those who say no. She goes on. And one of the reasons why I say that is because when you look around the world at the ways in which countries have handled this pandemic, other things like vaccine passports or mask wearing, they're quite prevalent in certain countries, but their rates are still going up. The one thing that really seems to, to keep a lid on rising infections is your vaccination rate. So it isn't just about the people having boosters, although that's going to be absolutely crucial with winter coming up. It's more about tackling those people who haven't had a vaccine at all. And how are we going to incentivize them? Psychologically, it's a bit like parenting. You have to start taking away freedoms. You have to start putting some kind of punishment in place. Got to start taking away freedoms and start putting some kind of punishment in place for sovereign beings who say, get that fucking syringe away from me. I don't want it. You have it if you like, if it helps you to sleep, if it makes you feel relaxed, if it gives you the belief that you're protected from the virus, by all means, I'm a libertarian, but get it away from me. No, no, you'll have to be punished for that, says Lucy Beresford. So start to think social crediting, because that's where we're going now. You can't have your chocolate bar until you've eaten your broccoli. You are not allowed to go to a gig, to go to a restaurant, to go to a hairdresser. Oh my, I need to go to a hairdresser. But you're not allowed to go to a hairdresser unless you've had a vaccine. No short back and sides unless you have a vaccine. So now I'm not contradicting myself. They will begin to attempt to incentivize people by trying to make their lives as unbearable as possible. That's how it will begin, with the punishments for not being a good citizen and having your jab. But of course, that's not going to work on people like me and presumably on somebody like you. It's at that stage 
having tried to socially credit us, socially credit, it's a terrible use of language, having attempted to use the social credit system to squeeze us into accepting the jab, it's at the point that they accept that it hasn't worked for the hard cases like me and you. That's when they come to the front door. I swear on it. And I know I can get away with saying that to you today because I've never been like this in my entire career. Never. I've always, I've, I've shunned fear porn and fear mongering because I hate it. I despise it. People selling fear and peddling fear. But I see it as a kind of a public service broadcasting, really. That's what they'll do. Have it or you don't get to go to the pictures, you don't get to go on holiday, you don't get to leave the country, you don't get to go to a wedding, you don't get to go to a funeral, you don't even get to go to mass. But when that doesn't work, we're coming to get you. That's how it's going to be, I think. Got to punish them, says Lucy Beresford. Nobody bats an eyelid, no hairdressers for you unless you have a jab. So she's basically threatening people on national television, threatening you and threatening me. What is the appropriate response for somebody like Lucy Beresford? What can you do? Well, God love them. The only thing that people can do is go on Twitter and scream abuse at her and call her every name under the sun, resulting in them getting banned from Twitter. Because <laughs> there's nothing else they can do. And, by the way, there isn't anything else they should do. Don't be harassing people in the street or screaming abuse at people or, or chasing people. None of that. Don't become a monster to try and beat a monster. Lucy Beresford is a monster. An empathy-devoid human being. A fucking Nazi, effectively. A Nazi. You don't have your job, you should be punished, says Lucy Beresford. Lovely. Lockstep. From 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 Sajid Javid last night to the Daily News shows today, take your jabs or you won't have your freedoms and we need to do something about the unjabbed. Hey, the Labour Party Shadow Health Secretary Jonathan, Jonathan Ashworth, he wants a phone line set up for pregnant women who are hesitant to get the jab so that they can be told the truth that the jabs are fine, they're safe, don't worry about them. And he also wants anti-vaxxers to be kicked off the internet. Jonathan Ashworth speaking to LBC Radio today. I'll give you two examples. Why isn't there a 24-hour phone line staffed by specialists so women can ring that phone line and get clear advice? Secondly... Why isn't there a 24-hour-a-day phone line for women to get clear advice on the jabs? Wow. When the Royal College of Midwives, and I suspect it was the same for Royal College of Hobbs and Gynae, put out things on their social media, they get so much abuse from the anti-vaxxers on social media. We've mm. got to take these anti-vax campaigns seriously. I mean, they're turning up outside schools. Mm. Uh, it's absolutely uh, foul what the anti-vaxxers are doing because ultimately, if they convince people not to take a vaccine, that will cost lives. We've got to take on the anti-vaxxers as well. And how's, how do you suggest we do that? Or a government well, does that. I mean, obviously, well, I think, we, we do it anywhere we can, but, but but from government perspective. Well, obviously, politicians have got to speak out and make the argument, but I think more fundamentally, and this 
it's part of a broader debate which we're now having in this country about what should be allowed on these online platforms like Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, etc., and how we get these online platforms to take down dangerous material. And I would say anti-vax is dangerous material and you're they a, should be made to take it down. You're a dangerous person. If you're into the anti-vax stuff, you're a dangerous person. And we need to deal with dangerous anti-vaxxers like you, says Jonathan Ashworth. This is music from the stunning on The Richie Allen Show. Half past two from the stunning on the Richie Allen Show, live from Salford, Monday to Thursdays at five o'clock and Sunday morning melodies every Sunday morning at ten o'clock. Me, a few tunes and a few stories. Check it out on Sunday if you haven't before. Hey, speaking of social crediting, if you haven't come across the term before, if you're new to this programme, and we, well, this show is acquiring new listeners daily and I understand why it's getting a bit mad out of there isn't it so you arrived at at this program and you might not understand social crediting well you can look it up and you'll get a good definition online but a social credit model it kind of comes out of China the idea is basically that citizens will be rewarded but all for, for good behaviour, but conversely, will be punished for bad behaviour, bad social behaviour. Okay, we've seen in China people having the right to fly taken away from them because they, I don't know, because they breached some, I don't know, because they... I say it, Richie. Spit it out, son. For example, loitering in a train station in, in in China, hanging around some building that you don't have any reason to be hanging around, can see you given a, 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 a black mark on your social credit score or can see your social credit score decreased as a result. Right, smoking where you shouldn't be smoking. I don't know. If dropping litter, I don't know. Playing music loud and it annoys your neighbour. Well, you might be deprived of some liberties for a short period of time as, as a punitive measure. And that's something that I and others believe is inevitably coming in here. And it'll be driven predominantly, I think, by the private sector. Not so much the government, but it's coming here. There's no doubt about that. Little flavour of it today. I'm glad I caught this before coming on air. A Conservative ex-minister who's now, who now sits in the House of Lords, a guy called Lord Robothan, whoever he is, he has declared that it shouldn't be socially acceptable to be very overweight. What a... What a curious thing to say. What a turn of phrase. It should not be socially acceptable to be very overweight. He wants the government to tell people that they shouldn't eat so much in an effort to get people uh, out of the habit of eating too much and becoming 
morbidly obese. He said it shouldn't be socially acceptable to be overweight. That's the term that caught my eye this afternoon. Of course, there are a thousand reasons why people are overweight. There are many reasons. Genetic reasons. Health reasons. Um, mental health reasons. Stress reasons. Bad diet reasons. Not being brought up very well reasons. And this guy is saying that, you know, we, we need to make it socially unacceptable to be overweight. That's a story, you might think it's not much. I caught it this afternoon, just before coming on air, knowing that social crediting might come up in the programme, and I thought to myself, wow, there it is right there. And remember, jobs are in development. Vaccines are in development against obesity. It isn't a joke. DNA vaccines, not mRNA vaccines, but DNA vaccines are in development. That they will be asking children or children's parents, in fact, they'll be asking children's parents for the right to give children an obesity vaccine, a DNA jab, which will send a message to the child's DNA that can switch off any genetic predisposition to becoming overweight. It's insane what's happening. And it's not tomorrow's world, this, Maggie Philbin. This is today. It's right now, eight and a half minutes to the top of the hour. Speechless sometimes. You know, I, I, I sit in my office from dawn till dusk and the stuff I come across and I think, wow. It shouldn't be socially acceptable to be very overweight. You could say, and I'm not making much of a leap here, I'm not being unkind to this Robothan guy, you could say the overweight should be shunned. We should shun them. Look upon them with contempt because they're overweight. Maybe that'll happen. You didn't have your obesity jab when you were a teenager when we told you to have it and now you're overweight so we'll take away your right to travel until you hit a certain mark we want you to lose 20 pounds by a certain date failing to do that will result in an, extent, an extension of the restriction of your right to do certain things I know it sounds crazy, but it's coming. It's coming. It's a big scam, though, the COVID thing. I was laughing this morning. I was listening to Javid again yesterday, Sajid Javid, the health secretary, urging folks to take lateral flow tests. I'd like you to listen very carefully to this because this is really important. Not that you'll ever persuade your family or friends to listen to it. They're so far gone, they don't want to hear anything as it contradicts their own worldview of the scamdemic. But listen to what Javid says about taking lateral flow tests. And like making and taking rapid tests, as making them as part of your weekly routine. A quarter of the positive cases that we are now identifying come from those lateral flow tests that people are taking without symptoms, but they're taking them 
as a precaution, especially if they're about to go and meet a loved one, perhaps a grandparent or another vulnerable person. Listen to that again. This is just world class now. Listen to what he says here. A quarter of the positive cases that we are now identifying come from those lateral flow tests that people are taking without symptoms, but they're taking them as a precaution. Wow. One quarter of the cases that you are hearing about on the news. Oh, there were 40,000 COVID cases yesterday. Java just admitted that 10,000 of those were people who there's nothing fucking wrong with. Nothing. Nothing at all. But they're counted as COVID cases. 10,000 people are counted. They're, they've announced this afternoon that yesterday there were 50,000 cases. The previous day, Tuesday, it was 40,000. They've just announced in the last 10 minutes that yesterday there were 50,000 COVID cases. But this egghead, this dipstick here, has just said that a quarter, at least, nothing wrong with them. A quarter of the positive cases that we are now identifying come from those lateral flow tests that people are taking without symptoms, but they're taking them as a precaution. A precaution against what? Now, factor in, factor in alongside that, what we heard from Professor Andrew Pollard yesterday, the Oxford guy who worked on the Oxford AstraZeneca jab. Remember what he said? Yesterday, the way things are counted in, in the daily reporting is picking up a large proportion of people who are actually admitted for other reasons, but have been positive um, in the last month because, of course, there's a lot of transmission in the community. So there are many people who were positive. So if if someone's admitted for appendicitis or a road traffic accident and they're positive, they will appear in the daily numbers. Um, and similarly with the deaths. You know, if I had any hair. This is where you've got your hands in your hair and you're pulling at your scalp. It's a fucking scam in their own words. This guy was heavily involved in the, the development of the Oxford AZ jab. Yeah, the problem is at the moment with the cases is we're counting a lot of people that, well, they came into hospital with something else wrong with them. Then they happened to test positive for COVID, but they've not got COVID. And and then if they're dying, they're counted as a death from COVID. And Javid said last night, a quarter of people testing positive in the current case number. Fear-mongering. A quarter of them. There's nothing wrong with them. They just wanted to take a test as a precaution. It's a scam. But it's a waste of your time and my time sharing any of that audio with the goons that are wearing masks on scooters and inside their own cars and are eagerly rushing now for their booster because Javid scared the shit out of them last night by warning them if they didn't get their booster, they might not be able to celebrate Christmas. There's no point in sharing that audio with anybody. Forget about it. It doesn't matter. They're not going to listen to it. Hospital cases from car crashes and appendicitis operations and, 
and and uh, eye operations in. Guy have his broken leg reset. And they test the guy as a matter of routine. You go into hospital for any reason, they're testing you using a PCR test. It's returning a false positive. You're having your spleen taken out because you fell while you were rock climbing. You're not sneezing. You've not got a sore throat. But they test you and they say you're a positive case anyway. And they count that. It's a scam. The whole thing, it's not conjecture. It's a fact. Hey, listen, just before we get Max Egan on the programme. He's going to be with me in about two and a half minutes. They're scaring the piss out of children, not just with the don't kill granny stuff, oh God, no, but with the world is going to end stuff. Talk Radio went to a primary school in Glasgow because Glasgow is hosting the COP26 climate change conference, which begins a week on... Wednesday, is it next week or Thursday? It's the 31st anyway. Could be a week on Sunday. A week on Sunday, yes, a week on Sunday. So Talk Radio went into a primary school to test the temperature of the children. Are they worried about the old climate change? They are. If the, wa- if the world keeps getting warmer, the water will start rising and then there will be no land left. So animals won't be able to live and, yeah, it'll get so hot it will start, eventually the water will stop rising and and all, everything will start burning eventually. The ice is going to melt and the ozone there is going to get, um, is getting destroyed. By 2100. No, 2100, it is, uh, polar bears are supposed to be extinct. And how do you feel about that? Sad. I'm really scared about the future because I don't know what's going to happen. Okay. I'm worried because if the world gets too hot, then, as I said before, I like animals and all animals will start dying and people it might be the end. Like, people won't survive anymore. People won't survive anymore, says the child. I'm really worried about the animals dying. Yeah. Max Egan is standing by. He's in Mexico. This is the Richie Allen Radio Show at 6 o'clock, live in Seoul for BBG Towers. George Michael, back with Max. George Michael on The Richie Allen Show Heal the Pain from Listen Without Prejudice, that's the album Big shout out to my pals Sophie and Andrew who are in France this evening How you doing guys? Bonjour Hope all is well Nazis is appropriate says uh, Sophie and Andrew or, or Andrew Appropriate language they say hi to Christine in Limavady as well. Thanks, Christine. We're working on the website pretty hard at the moment. I know because of the amount of traffic on there, there is issues or there are issues with login attempts and stuff. It's being looked at and uh, we're doing our best with it. That's all I can say. Pretty busy. Three and a half minutes past six. You are listening to the world's most listened to independent news radio show, your Richie Allen Show, live from Salford. It's been ages. 
since my old pal was on the programme. Let's welcome him back. He is a broadcaster, author, researcher, public speaker and uh, and artist. You can find him at thecrowhouse.com. He's had a hell of a few days, to say the least. Let's welcome back to the programme our friend Max Egan. Welcome back, pal. How are you? I'm good, Richie. Can you hear me okay, brother? Sounding well, Max, yeah. Thankfully, sounding well. It's noon in Mexico, where you are broadcasting from. I was given a heads up by listeners to this programme in the last 24 hours to say Max has gotten the hell out of Australia, Richie, before the stable door closed and prevented him from leaving. What's been going on, mate? What's happened? Oh, it's just crazy down there, Richie. It's uh, it's just going to next level. Um, well, you know, you used the word Nazi before. I mean, I, I I don't disagree with the whole World War II concept, but definitely totalitarianism. It's it's just next level. And the door was about to close. You know, at the moment, I could still get out without getting a jab, but that will probably change this month or next month. And uh, I just don't recognise my country at all. I had a few shots fired across the bow. I'd had, you know, the police sending me emails asking me to come in for a friendly chat. And they started messing with my bank account and a few things. I thought, well, it might be time to make a a swift exit while I still can because I can do what I do from anywhere in the world. So, yeah, I just figured it was time to get out. I just could see the writing on the wall. So, I mean, it's it's really next level. The brutality is, is through the roof in Victoria. It's moving into New South Wales. And now it's moving up to Queensland. They're just declaring cases in Queensland now. So it's been a gradual thing. They're building concentration camps all over the, the country as well, calling them quarantine centres, of course. And yet just yesterday or the day before, the Queensland Premier actually announced that the quarantine centres are going to be for the unvaccinated. So it, it's concentration camps, which is just next level. I can't believe the people... By just letting it happen and not seeing the writing on the wall. Let's come and back I mean, to. I've been screaming. I've been screaming at the rooftops for years. For fourteen years, and I thought, okay, well, I've got two weeks left before they shut the country down completely. It might be time to step off the tracks, you know. We'll come back to the quarantine centres in a moment, but I want to. What an upheaval! I mean, you sound kind of relaxed about it now, although I can hear in your voice that. You're a little bit shook. What an in, what a massive upheaval that is. You've basically had to make a decision to leave your country basically in an emergency and knowing full well that the chances you'll ever return are basically non-existent. You must be yeah. in some sort of shock, Max. Well, it is, it is a bit like that. I mean... You know, I've travelled a lot, and, and when I was leaving the country, I mean, I, I thought, okay, if I, I can get out now, and good, there's a good chance I can come back, like May or June, things may have calmed down, you know, things may have, people may have stood up by then. But if I stay there, I'm going to get silenced, and if I get silenced, it's going to demoralise a lot of people. So the best thing I can do is get myself out of harm's way. And then as I was walking through the airport, like the airport was empty, Richie. I've never seen an airport like this. I walked through Brisbane Airport. The only people I saw were the the four people on the counter who served my ticket, the two people on the baggage scanner that were checking the scanner, the one guy on, on custom, and I didn't see anybody else in the airport until I got to my gate, and there were eight people sitting there waiting. And as I put my passport through the scanner machine, normally you just put it in and scans your passport and the, the gate's open and you walk through. 
This time a little sign came up on the screen and it said, by leaving Australia, you are acknowledging that you are aware that returning to Australia is difficult and expensive. Do you wish to continue? And I had to push that button to say, yes, I confirm. And that was a really strange feeling. It was when, when I did that and I walked through that gate and I just thought, wow, I could possibly be leaving my country forever. You know, I'm leaving all my stuff behind, I'm my son, like everything, you know. I thought, well, if, if that's the case, the best thing I could do is get somewhere like Mexico, get, get myself a base set up so I can bring my son here, you know. But it is, it's a strange feeling, Richie. I don't recognise my country. And and now that I'm here, you're, you're right, I honestly don't know whether I'll ever be able to go back. And it's a very, very strange feeling, you know. That's a chilling scenario you just described there. You get to the airport, there's only a few people there. It's almost like one of those post-apocalyptic films. I imagine the scene was a bit like that. And then... It was it, like that. It, yeah. it felt like pre-wartime. It really felt like pre-wartime, like like something big is about to happen. You know, I'm sitting on this plane, Richie, 320-seat plane. There's nine people on board. It was surreal. I've never seen and felt anything like it, you know, including the pilots and crew. There were 14 people on board this, you know, A30 Airbus flying to Singapore. Unbelievable, unbelievable. A loss, a loss making flight. So what, what that says for the future of the aviation industry is that it's very tenuous indeed because you know, we didn't come on to talk about that and I don't want to talk about that, but obviously it has consequences for many people in terms of their livelihoods. Nine people well, it, on, a, on, on a big, massive plane like that. My God. Yeah. And another thing, Richie, I noticed when you're buying your tickets, this is another interesting thing. I mean, I'm glad I did the, the flight and I got to see what travel's like from the inside during this pandemic. That was an interesting experience. But another another thing, when I bought my ticket, you, you get to insure against lost baggage and, you know, flight changes and all that sort of stuff. You know what it's like when you fly. One of the new options that you can insure against is complete airline collapse. What does that tell you? Oh, good it's, there on, it's there on, on, on your ticket options, you know. You want to insure against flight changes, insure against baggage losses, insure against complete airline collapse. Insure against you know? being stranded, effectively. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible what's happening to the world, brother. So, yeah, it was just time to get out. I mean, I could see the writing on the wall. Uh, I've had a massive amount of support. I mean, there's been a few trolls have said, oh, you've run out, you're a coward, you know. Well, hang on, I'm 64, I'm no good in a battle. I'll just get wounded and have to get looked after. You know, my, my biggest weapon is my voice, and I can do that from anywhere. And I had enough warning signs that they were about to shut me down. And I thought, well, you know, I want to be able to continue the fight. I can't do anything from jail. So, yeah, I'm going to get to somewhere, get to safer ground. And, you know, I, I, you know you've been screaming for so many years for people to wake up. And now the battle's about to go hot. I mean, you know, how how long are you supposed to stay standing on the tracks asking other people to get off before you step off yourself, you know? Yeah. In the first half of the programme today, I was kind of asking that question of my listeners. Yeah. It it it, it has gone into a... It, it's, it's moved into a different phase now in the last few weeks. Obviously, Australia, from the outside, looks... It, it looks terrifying. It really does. What's happened in, in Melbourne and New South Wales. And you said this has migrated to Queensland and Brisbane. It just looks dreadful. But here, the gloves have come off now. The health secretary here has told people, get jabs or lose freedoms. And psychotherapists are going on national television saying that the unjabbed should be punished for not having 
job. So, yeah, it, it's definitely moved into a new phase in, in recent weeks. And how do you feel now? I know you've only been there a few days. Because I'm, I'm, I'm a guy who takes decisive action when it needs to be taken. I'm not a hero, me. I've never been a hero. But I'm somebody who can make a step. But I'll be honest, it then takes me quite an amount of time to adjust. And I spend a lot of time fearful later on, wondering if I made the right decision or not. Are you in that phase now? Are you thinking, Jesus, what have I done? Or or are you absolutely certain that, you know, they were they were coming for you and they were going to make it impossible to leave the country without being jabbed? You know, how are you sitting with it only a few days later? Well, well, that, that was the reality. They were going to make it impossible to leave without being jabbed, and they were coming to shut me down. I mean, all of the signs were there, all of the warnings were there. Um, so I did what I had to do. I mean, I've always said you've got to be able to face infinity without flinching. If you throw yourself to the wind, you can ride it. No stake in the outcome. So you know, I simply did what I needed to do in order to continue the battle. Um, you read The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Uh, it, was a, it was a valuable strategic move, so... Um, I don't care about my stuff. I don't care about, I mean, it, it's nice to have that comfort zone. I love living in that place. I love all, all my things. I mean, I've got, got a certain amount of wealth stored there. Well, I guess my son can have that, whatever. It's just where I am now. It's just the next part of the journey, Richie. I mean, it's, I feel a bit like a fish out of water. I yeah. mean, I'm in Mexico. I, I know one person here. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, staying at, I'm staying at his house until this weekend. But apparently there's another place I can go to from then. And actually, look, I, I announced this on a video yesterday, and the outpouring of, of support has been phenomenal. I've had offers of so many places to stay in Mexico. Um, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. I'll just get through it. It's just the next phase. It looks like I've got to learn a new language in order uh, to conduct you know everyday life. You, you read my mind. That was my next question. Will you take intensive Spanish lessons? No no doubt. And you're, you're bright enough that you'll pick it up. And you're immersed anyway. I think you being immersed there, you'll, you'll pick the language up in no time. For those listening to the programme who find it hard to believe Max's comments about quarantine centres for the unjabbed in Australia. Tell us more about that. What have the so-called authorities said about these quarantine centres? Well, they've said that, the, like I said, the, uh, the Queensland Premier has openly said that they're going to be for the unjabbed. Yeah, but the fact is that they're building them. If, if this is a, a, a just a pandemic, it's just this sickness, this wave of sickness, and it's going to go away, we're going to go back to normal. Why are they building these huge, huge detention centres? And you guys have got them in England as well. There's that big one, the X-shaped buildings and stuff that you've got there. I mean, they're building them all over the world. This is this is lockstep every single country. The one in, in Brisbane is called Well Camp. I mean, you can't get more Orwellian than that, I don't no. think. Well Camp. Yeah. And do you believe, Max, yeah. that these camps are being built to to send the refuseniks there? Is that the point of these camps? If 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 you absolutely right, absolutely to quarantine. See, quarantining people because they're unsafe because they haven't been jabbed, so they could be spreading the virus. This is this is your you're sick until proven healthy. You know, you yeah. don't quarantine people who aren't sick. You know, this is called totalitarianism. You quarantine sick people who, because they might infect others, not people who simply haven't had some some injection. I mean, this is ridiculous. These are detention centres. These are concentration camps. I would say they are also 
uh, extermination camps. People who go into these camps will likely not be returning. So, you know, it's got to the point that people have got to see the writing on the wall. And this is happening in every single country around the world. Um, you know, this is, this is next level stuff, Richie. This is everything we've been warning people about for years. And, you know, if the people don't stand up, you know, there's a very, very short window left to turn this around. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what it will take to wake them up. I've been screaming from the rooftops for years, brothers. But um, what we're seeing in Victoria and New South Wales, the, the brutality of the police, it shows you just how far they're prepared to take this. And what is becoming the, the, uh, the guilty people and the outcasts are simply healthy people who don't want to have this experimental injection. It's, it's just next level. You know? Yeah, in this country... The government and the media has just begun a campaign to, I think the best way to describe it is to radicalise the jabbed against the unjabbed, to, to, to wind up the jabbed and to convince them that the, the unjabbed are the problem. And this is why, even though you've had five posters now, this is why we can't reopen society. That's going to be dangerous. And I wouldn't be surprised if before too long a jabbed person murders an unjabbed person in an argument. That's going to happen. Yeah, and, yeah, and blames them yeah. for the continuation of this police state. Yeah. You know, the more they comply, the more they will blame other people for not complying and they will never see what they're doing. And there's going to get a moment, there will be one moment when they're just going to have this five-minute red pill moment. And they're going to just look around and go, oh, my God, I'm living in 1984. And it's going to hit them. And they're going to realize that it's their compliance. It doesn't. And, and when that happens, uh, all of society is going to melt down. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy. Um, it's going to be crazy. But, yeah, they're, they're creating a system of complete medical apartheid. And think about it. I mean, all the, all the work that we've done for human rights and anybody who's ever stood up for your rights, I mean, whether, you, whether it's black rights or gay rights or whatever, any rights you've stood up for for one particular group, well, all of that's being thrown out the door now. All of that's being thrown out the window and now it's becoming the jabbed and the unjabbed and it is medical apartheid. And, yeah, they, they don't care what, what they do to these people. They're even denying medical services to people. If you haven't had this experimental jab, you can't get medical services. This is happening in all countries, like in Denmark. It's, just, it's unreal, unreal, right around the world, mate. But, but what we're seeing in Australia is just next level. I mean, they disarmed the people and they're showing exactly how it's done. They're bringing in digital passports now in Australia, digital ID. Have your digital ID online because it will help we can identify you, and you can identify. Just one sign-in for everything. Don't have to remember passports anymore. What they're going to do is they're going to hook this digital ID up with all these QR codes, putting QR codes on everything, QR codes on water fountains in parks, so you actually got to scan a QR code to use a water fountain, right? And in order to, to get this digital ID, of course, you need to be double-jabbed. If you're not double-jabbed, you don't get your digital ID, and then none of the QR codes work. They put these QR codes, they're putting in, you'll notice around the world in supermarkets, they're changing the, the layout of the open cabinets and things, and they're putting glass doors on everything. Yeah. Soon you're going to see QR codes going onto the front of those glass doors. You're going to need to scan them to open the door, and you're going to have to have a digital ID to do that. 
you don't get your jabs, you don't get your digital ID, and you get locked out of you society. Don't, you don't this participate. Is the way it's going. Yes, you don't participate in society. Your right to participate is taken taken away from you. Why, in your opinion, has it been so bad in Australia? Why has Australia gone so? far down the road ahead of other countries, particularly when you look at the behaviour of the Australian police towards people who haven't um, masked up or people who are protesting. It's brutal at times when you see it. Is, is Australia some sort of petri dish? Is it some sort of experiment to see what people will put up with? How do you read this? Well, to to some degree, it's also people don't understand Australia is a very, very... Um powerful place in the in this whole new world order scheme of things when you look at parliament house i pointed out years ago the shape of parliament house the pyramid structure it's the pyramid it's the same thing the pyramid and the capstone only the capstone is joined in parliament house and you've got a sun around it sort of radiating out to the rest of the world australia is one of the head bases of the new world order it's an island it's a very very secure place australia you can't really invade it Canberra is one of the most secure cities in the world. There are missile bases all around Canberra. If any flight, any aircraft flies over Canberra airspace with an unrecognised transponder number, it gets automatically shot out of the sky. It is one of the heads of the New World Order, so they need to secure that place first. We've got big underground bases there. You've got, you've got Pine Gap. You've got all of this US stuff going on in the Northern Territory, all this stuff going on, underground bases in Western Australia. It's got to be one of the control centres, so they need to secure it first. What do you Plus, under- it does provide it does provide the model for the rest of the world of how you do this, of course, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it gives, I suppose, it gives a false sense of security to people in Ireland and in the UK looking at Australia. For the moment, it gives them a false sense of security because you think, well, it's not that bad here, but of course. It's coming here. Max Egan is our guest, thecrowhouse.com. I needn't tell you any more about what Max has been doing for the best part of the last 15 years. What do you understand so far about the Mexican government's approach to COVID? What's it like there? Well, it's pretty good. I mean, the people in the airports are wearing masks and stuff. I mean, the the airports everywhere are just ridiculous. Um, Everywhere I went. I mean, Singapore was the worst. But the airports are, are pretty full on with the mask, but I haven't seen any anywhere else. The Mexican president thinks that the Western governments are, are just absolutely totalitarian and, and this uh, jab shouldn't be forced on anybody. So that's a good thing. I wonder how long it'll last, of course. I mean, I think Central America is probably one of the best places to be at the moment. Central and some countries in South America may survive this a little longer. But uh, it seems to be pretty good here overall since I've been here. I mean, it's it's uh, I haven't seen any problems at all. But then I've only been here for a few days. Yeah, you've it's only been... taken me you about met... three days to get over the jet lag. It took me nearly 10 days to get here. It was ridiculous, the, the travel I had to do just to get to, to Mexico from Australia. Jesus, in, Indiana Jones could have done a trip around the world quicker than that back in the thirties. That's a that's a that's a rough that's a rough trip. Um, Max Max Egan is in Mexico. He's left Australia. He's left Brisbane. He's left Queensland to get away from his own country. That must be a very difficult thing for any man because of the tyranny there and because he feared correctly. I think it's fair to say that he would eventually be prevented from leaving unless he succumbed 
to the job. He's in Mexico now. He's on the grace and favour of some good friends at the moment, although he's done plenty of favours for people himself over the years. Max is on the line uh, with us now. Lots and lots of comments coming through my website, richieallen.co.uk. Lots of encouragement and uh, support for uh, for Max. So thanks uh, for that. I will read out one or two of those comments in a few minutes' uh, time. Yeah. So, so you're... You mentioned Central America and South America. And the minute you mention that, and I agree with you, it seems to be better there. But haven't there's been some moves against the Brazilian president, hasn't there? Bolsonaro. They want to charge him with crimes against humanity over people who died from the virus. I've never read anything so, on the one hand, laughable, but on the other hand, terrifying. They want to charge the guy saying you didn't do enough to stop people getting sick with some respiratory infection and therefore you should be charged with crimes against humanity. And I have a feeling that will progress that. How do you see that situation? Yeah, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it's, everything is backwards. Everything is backwards. This whole COVID scam is a crime against humanity. Look at Victoria, what they've done there. That is a crime against humanity. The lockdowns are crimes against humanity. Here's a guy who's refusing to do all these things to his people. And they're saying, yeah, because a couple of people died and they can label it as COVID, even though COVID has never been identified, they say it's a crime against humanity. This shows how Orwellian things have become. They could just, every, everything they say is backwards. It's absolutely unbelievable. They could even be claiming such a thing that he's, he's committing crimes against humanity. I mean, Daniel Andrews is, is committing crimes against humanity. Everybody who's died in Victoria from the jab, anybody who's died of suicide, anybody who died in nursing homes, all of these were murdered by proxy by Daniel Andrews. Every business that's been destroyed, all done by proxy by Daniel Andrews. Our whole country has been destroyed. The economy is shot. Melbourne CBD is, is literally a ghost town. There's so many businesses have, have gone down and lost everything they ever had. That is a crime against humanity. Here you've got a, a president in Brazil saying, hey, look, we're just going to let people go along and, and live their lives, and they're accusing him of crimes against humanity because a couple of people die. Well, people die all the time. That's, that's what happens, you know. And, yeah. you know, there's people in their 80s and 90s dying of COVID. It's just ridiculous, Richie. I don't know how people are buying into any of this. I honestly don't know how people can't see it. It really has yeah. shown the level of, of programming and the absolute gullibility of the sheeple and their you know, belief in the mainstream media. It's incredible to see what's happening. Yeah, I, th everything they say I, I think that's happening. right. I think you're right there. I think this imagined crisis, this scam, yeah, it has finally kind of revealed just the extent of the effectiveness of decades of programming. I, I totally agree with that. I am, to use a, a well-worn English phrase, I'm gobsmacked most days. You know, before you came on in the monologue news roundup segment, I'm playing audio of the health secretary here admitting that at least a quarter of the so-called COVID cases that they're screaming about on the news are of totally healthy people who just took the the, the, the flow test just to be cautious. And in the same week, you get a guy from the Oxford Vaccine Research Group who goes on telly and says, well, a lot of cases are being kind of wrongly attributed to 
COVID. There are people with appendicitis or people from car crashes who come into hospital and just for the heck of it, they give them a PCR test and they really shouldn't be added to the COVID case numbers. This is the killer for me, Max. It isn't as if they're even trying to hide this information. It's right there on every news bulletin. And yet it doesn't make any difference. You you mentioned sheeple. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The people just, they, they just see it and it, it doesn't register. Like there was a, there was a 20 year old in, um, it was brought into, um, or 23 year old who was brought into a Victorian hospital dead from a, from a car accident or something. And they tested him post-mortem. Found, oh yeah, he tested positive and they put him down as a COVID death. Yeah. He died in a car accident. I mean, why can't people see this? How can how can they say that, that there's a pandemic? How can they not see that every single person who's dying of anything, they're just using this to add to their case numbers to claim that there's a pandemic so they can claim that there's a state of emergency so they can bring in the Biosecurity Act to remove everybody's rights. This is a massive fraud, a massive criminal operation that's happening. And it's got me gobsmacked as well that people can't see it. I mean, you can stand and just shout in their faces and their eyes just glaze over. It's incredible. And people that, that are, you know, up and up in arms against the government and speaking all this activism and all this stuff, suddenly they put on little blue masks and they run around, they do their swabs and they do what they're told. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Gobsmacked. Max Egan is our guest. It's exactly 29 minutes past the hour. Max will be with me for another 15, 20 minutes. I'm going to just read one or two of your comments now. Um, Max has been doing um, his research in public speaking and broadcasting for nearly 15 years. I first encountered him back in 2013 when I was doing a TV gig in London. In fact, we were briefly connected, very briefly, when I was doing a radio show in Spain. But um, we didn't speak for long. And uh, and then and then I moved to to London, but um, Jim says I'm of the impression that Dan Andrews is clinically insane. I don't know about that, Jim. I don't know if they're insane. I don't know what their motivation is. These leaders, many of them, I don't know how much they know. Uh, Millie says Australia first, then New Zealand, followed by Britain, Ireland, and then Iceland. Uh, these are controlled zones, easy to control zones. Chris says, as Max says the United States will hold out the most. That's what Chris says. Um, Somebody called Promised You a Miracle on my website says, uh, I need to move my ass to Mexico, touch uh, wood. Thanks for that. Wiley says, the camps that Max talks about will probably accommodate the unvaxxed as well as the newly awoke people who start to protest as they wake up and realise what's been going on. Uh, Patricia, my pal and your pal, Max, says once people acquiesced to lockdowns, once they acquiesced to lockdowns, to wearing masks and to social distancing, there would never be an end to the control and the new rules. Uh, James says hi. He says, I know where you are, Max. And well done, he says. I'm sure uh, you will get sorted there in Mexico. David says, they've built one of these camps in Wellingborough near me. It is massive, says David. I am shitting myself and need a plan. Linda says, so good to hear Max. I'm very, very sorry he's had to leave his homeland, his garden and his family and lovely birds and animals behind. Uh, It's really heartbreaking to hear that. But he's a brave soul. We wish him well. We're with you in spirit. Colin in Kerry echoes that. 
Donegal on the west of Ireland. Max, I could be here all day long, mate. We've got somewhere around 260,000 people listening to this live. I could read these forever and ever and ever. A lot of love for the boy Egan coming from our listeners today. I hope that gives you a bit of a boost in any case. Yeah, it's really nice. It's It's been wonderful, the amount of support that people have shown me through this. I mean, it was a really big, big decision to make. And as someone who's travelled a lot, it was it was really, really strange. It was surreal actually going through what I've, what I've just gone through over the last 10 days. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll come good. I'll be fine and things will work out. And I still believe we can win this if, uh, if enough people speak out. And, and another thing with my leaving, you know, not just to get myself to safe ground, but a lot of people in Australia who've been listening to me for years, perhaps this is a bit of a slap in the face for them. Oh, shit, Max has just left. Max has actually left the country. It's really gotten that bad. Holy hell, this is serious. Yes, it is. This is incredibly serious, and you need to wake up. And so maybe maybe that'll be a bit of a slap in the face for them as well. That you know, They'll see if I've actually had to leave, you know, well, perhaps they should pay attention. You know? Yeah, that might very well be something that comes out of it. There's certainly a lot of that stuff being shared on the website. Let me just briefly read one or two more comments, and then we'll... Um, We'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk about, not so much something else, but we'll talk about possible uh, solutions to this. Um, let me scroll on down. Hi to Dominique, big listener, big fan of Max's, living in Spain, and um, has been listening to me uh, for some time as well. Uh, you mentioned before that we should all need to have a plan B, and here in Spain we are growing, uh, we are creating a homestead, we are seed saving, learning to forage and so on. Uh, Richie, you mentioned that you think that one day they will knock on the door and say no more. What do we do when this day comes? Max, I have a theory, but I think you agree with it. I think they'll try social crediting to coerce everybody to have the job. They'll try and make life unlivable. But when that doesn't work for everybody, I think it's at that stage, that might be two years from now, it might be three years. It's at that stage they might knock on the door and they might look friendly, but they'll be firm and they will say, well, you know, we, we can't put up with this anymore. You are going to have to be jabbed. We've given you a chance. We've given you every chance. We've stopped you going on a holiday. We stopped you working. We closed your bank account. We threatened you. We warned you, but you wouldn't listen. Now you're going to have to come with us. That's what I believe, and I've never been a fearmonger. Maybe that's what the camps are for. It is. That's exactly what the camps are for. It won't be two or three years, Richie. It'll be a lot earlier than that, especially in Australia. They're yeah. saying they want everybody in Australia jabbed by the end of the year. Um, in, the, in Queensland, they're saying they want everybody jabbed, and they've openly said that the camps will be for the unjabbed. <clears throat> the camp at Well Camp is set to be finished around about May, I think. So it'll be by May they'll start coming and knocking on people's doors, and if you don't take the shot, then they're going to take you away. And that's that's the time when people have to stand their ground. You just, I mean, you can't go to these camps. The more you, the more you give in to these people, the more they get a little bit of your soul, and that's what this is really all about. Now they take more and more of your soul. The more you just comply with something that you know is wrong, and you just succumb a little bit and think, well, if I just comply, they'll go away. No, they won't. You can never comply your way out of tyranny. It doesn't work that way. And they will be definitely coming for people to put them in all these camps. That's why they're building them. 
And you know, be, and the people, the, the other people around you will be quite happy for you to be taken away because you're obviously irresponsible and didn't get the jab. So you're obviously dangerous and poisonous and infectious. I mean, it's incredible how they put this mentality into people, but that's exactly what they're for. And that's exactly what they'll be doing. But I, yeah, as I said, I don't think it's going to be two or three years, maybe in some countries. But I think in Australia, we'll You're way ahead. In two or three months or by the middle of next year. You're way ahead there in Australia. There's no doubt about that. Thecrowhouse.com. Max Egan is our guest. You'll find Max on BitChute as well and other platforms uh, like that. Um, Carol is in my hometown of Waterford. She says, Richie... Dr. Joseph Mercola has just posted to Twitter that Pfizer is now saying it's the third shot that provides the high protection against COVID. <laughs> this, is the, this is the silly stuff, isn't it, Max? This is what we were talking about a moment ago. It doesn't matter how ridiculous it is, the, the proclamation, the declaration. It doesn't matter how ridiculous the, 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 the missive is from, from the authorities. People just nod and go along with it. That's insane, that. But yes. Yeah, you've got to have two two shots to be fully vaccinated. I know it's three shots to be fully vaccinated, but that only lasts three months. It's got to be four shots Next to be year, fully yeah. vaccinated. That only lasts three months. It's probably five shots. It's unreal. It's just unreal. I mean, how, how much are people going to take of this? It's never going to go away. When they called the lockdown, I said, this is it. This is what we've been waiting for. This is never going to go away. I said that in March 2020. And you might remember when the when the Christchurch shooting happened in the year before. Yes, I said when that happened, I said there, this video is a gift. It shows us exactly what they've done. It's, this is the first time we've had a false flag from the inside perspective. We can expose the entire world media with this, and if we don't do it, I expect the world to be in lockdown within twelve to eighteen months. That's what I said in March two thousand and nineteen, and the world went into lockdown in March twenty twenty. And when the lockdown happened, I said, here it is. This is what we've been waiting for because Christchurch was the beginning of the final move of the end game. I said when it happened. And here we are. This is this is it. It's never going to go away unless people make it go away. You know, unless they just open their businesses, throw away their smartphones. That's what people need. To, you know, if people threw away their smartphones, none of these QR codes could work. None of this stuff could work. I've been telling people the smartphone is the new world order. That's why they've got you addicted to these things. You don't need to take the internet with you everywhere you go. You can have a computer at home, just have a normal phone so you can be in contact, make phone calls, all good, get rid of your smartphones, and you will completely destroy their system. If people would do that, we'd be we'd be in, in a safe place. If people would just throw away their smartphones, how many people are going to do that, Richie? That's the question. You know, no, how many people are actually prepared to make that sacrifice for their future? They're so addictive. And the other, the other thing, of course, is the incessant case numbers, which are driven by people's willingness to be tested for something hmm. when they are entirely healthy. <laughs> this is astonishing. Yeah, you're going to get... It's like, it's like walking through a cemetery and going to, going to check the gravestones to see if you're dead. You know, what's <laughs> wrong with these people? Yeah, absolutely right. I've said it from the outset. Why do you continue to get tested when there isn't anything wrong with you? It gives them, it that gives them the the in. They need an in. You've given them an in because they can test you, and then false positive says there's something wrong with you, and they add that to the well, case they, numbers, and it's insane. 
Never They're enough. all false positives. They're all false negatives because a PCR isn't a test. It's it's not it's not a diagnostic tool. It's a forensics tool. It's it's a it's a it's a polymerous chain reaction. You just get any genetic material you want. You amplify it to whatever you want. And you call it whatever you want. It's not a test. It, it's incredible, Richie, how they're how they're getting away with this. And uh, yeah, I mean, people have got to stop doing this, and they've got to realise that it's a fraud. It's never been isolated. Even saying this new strain. Strains, or the Delta strain. Now there's the Delta A strain or something, you know. But you can yeah. ask them, well, hey, gee, how do you know it's the Delta strain? Which which test do you use for normal COVID, and which test do you use for the Delta strain? They go, oh, we can't we can't tell with the PCR whether it's Delta strain or just normal COVID. Oh, really? Well, then how the hell do you how know it's even a Delta strain? Yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> like nothing they're saying makes sense, Richie, and they're just just out there just just saying the most ridiculous, contradictory things, contradicting themselves in the same sentence. And people are just looking at them with glazed eyes and going, oh, yeah, okay, go on. It's, and the, it's, arbi- it's the, mind-boggling. the arbitrary measures, the, the incredibly yeah. arbitrary measures, you know, stand six feet or two metres away from one another, but sneezes and coughs travel 20 metres or, or maybe a little bit less crazy stuff you know wear a mask but every previous study that had been done on mask wearing as a means of preventing transmission those studies showed that mask wearing is ridiculous it doesn't stop anything escaping anything yet yet it just doesn't seem to matter max egan is 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 our guest i think look you're right it needs people to turn their backs on the system and to just refuse to comply with it and I'm not um, one for trying to bring down, you know, people's mood or to upset them. But maybe that ship has sailed. Maybe last year was the opportunity at, at, at the outset for businesses to say, no, of course, we're not going to close down our, our shops and, and our restaurants. We, we can't possibly do that. I think the fact they didn't rebel against that or stand against it last year, I think that ship has probably sailed. Yeah, it's the unfortunate reality. I mean, as much as I want to have hope and as much as I want to encourage people, well, hey, I've moved to Mexico. So yeah. um, that should say that should speak volumes to people. As much as I, I, I love my country and I want to, want to save it and I want to continue the fight and everything, well, I've, I've moved to Mexico. I've got to the point where I've realized that that's, that's what I have to do in order to continue the fight. That's just how far it's gone. The fact that I've had to leave everything behind and come to a foreign country. I mean, maybe that will wake people up to, to how, how serious this issue is. You know? Three months ago, I met a chap in my local park and he was very nice. He was magnanimous. He had listened to this radio show a couple of times over the years. I've only been living in my current location for two and a half years. But this guy listened in from time to time. He found it entertaining sometimes, but he felt that my guests were largely you know, crazy conspiracy theorists. Anyway, the point of what I'm telling you is I met him about a year or so ago and we were talking and, oh, he said, I heard you do something about vaccines. No, no, this would this would be before, this would be before COVID. Yes, before COVID I met him. I'd only been living here for five or six months. Anyway, long story short, he said, oh, I heard you doing something about vaccines. And I said, yeah, I was talking about vaccines. And he said, you told your listeners that if your missus became pregnant, you would leave the UK before she gave birth. And he said, you told a pack of lies 
about wor- that you were worried that your child would be taking, taken away from you if you didn't give the child the, the recommended childhood vaccines. So at the time, I said to the guy, yes, this is something I believe. Am I not allowed to say what I believe? And he said, oh, you're just a nut job. Anyway, to his credit, to his credit about three months ago, he, he met me in my local park and he came up to me. It's the first time I'd seen him in a long, long time. And he said, good Jesus Christ, he said, you were right. You were right to be worried uh, two years ago about having a baby in this country and maybe needing to go to Caroline's homeland or somewhere else. And I said, well, yes, I said I was right. And uh, he was telling me that he expected that later this year he would probably lose his job because he won't have a COVID job. And I said, well, well, you know, well, at least you're alive to it now. We just need a few more like you uh, to be alive to it. That's the situation we have here. I'm hearing from people day in, day out. People with mortgages, with young children, with enormous bills to pay every month. But you know what? They, they make me emotional sometimes because despite all of that, they're not having the job. They're not having it. They're prepared to end up on the street, Max, before taking the job. And I think that's real courage, that. You know, I've not well, been yeah. asked that question yet, but I hope I'll have that courage when I am asked it. I think I will. Well, that's what you've got to be prepared to do because this is a soul choice. This is a soul battle. If, if, they, if they get you to have this, they get your soul. They're getting you to do something that you absolutely know is wrong, but you will do it because you're a slave to the mammon, you know? I mean, this is a big wake-up call. This, this should be a wake-up call for everyone. This isn't what it means to be human. Get out there and get barefoot and get in touch with the earth and just walk around for a while. You know, that is far more valuable. Jump you know, into so a river. It's going to come to that point, Richie, and, and, yeah. and people need to make that sole choice and realize that, hey, you know, you came here to die anyway. Don't have this jab so you can live in a cage because you're going to end up dying at the end of it anyway. So why not just die now on your feet if it really comes to that? You're absolutely right what you said about getting out and had this conversation with Mark Bayerski the other evening. Get out in the summer, in the winter, get out into the parks, into the countryside, jump into a river. Jesus, feel alive, swim, do, do stuff. I've just kicked myself in the arse because of late, we were regular commuters to the countryside, myself and my better half, but we've just left that slide, but not anymore. From this weekend now, we're back out and about in nature again because I agree with you wholeheartedly, you know. Um, it's brilliant having now you back. Now you need it more than ever, Richie. Now oh, more than, more than ever. More than ever. See, see some animals. Go and look at some deer in, in, the, in the wilds, in the countryside. Go and look at the, 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 the birds of prey. Just get out there. Look at the cows and the sheep and in the farms. Absolutely right. It's, 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 it's making a lot of sense to me now. You said there's one chance and one chance only. Where, where, how do you feel in your bones? Is, 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 is it, will humanity prevail, do you think, eventually? Or is that too complicated? You know, are we going to have to endure a lot of trials before we prevail? Is it going to get worse before it gets better? It's definitely going to get worse before it gets better. I, I have an enormous faith in humanity, though. I think we will prevail. I think a lot will suffer. A lot won't uh, make it through. But ultimately, they will. There's going to be a red pill moment when people realize what they've done and they realize what they're standing in. There will be those that remain in denial and continue to support it, of course. But I think many people are going to get it. And ultimately, 
we will survive through this. But, you know, it's, it's going to get a lot worse. And the more people comply, the worse it's going to get. You know, people could stand up and, and push back now, and uh, it would make a difference. Many people would, would suffer through it, but, but not as many people that will suffer in the long run if we don't stand up. I mean, what's needed is, is literally a worldwide revolution. Everybody needs to stand up and simply say no in every single country. The biggest problem we've got, of course, is the order followers. That, that, that's the only thing that's ever brought this about through history, is, is the failure of order followers to disobey unlawful and illegal commands. Now, if the police and the military would break ranks and turn and arrest the people giving these commands, we could find a way out of this mess really quickly. But if it's left to the people, then it's going to get ugly because there's all those programmed fools wearing Kevlar and holding automatic weapons that are going to fight you off if you try to do that because they believe in the legal system. They believe in what the politicians write on paper. They've got no life skills to do anything else. They just know that this is what we have to do and that's what we do because we can't think clear enough to do anything else. That's the problem that we face is the order followers. But, you know, if we don't, make it through this, if we don't push back, then this will be the end of the human race with what they're doing. These jabs, the graphene, the, the genetic modification, the transhumanism, it's all rolled into this, the whole thing. This is their big end game. It's what they've had planned since way back before they did the 9-11 attack, which was done just to kick this off so they could militarise our police, so in the guise of protecting us, so that they could eventually turn those police against us. This is a war the politicians have declared upon the people, and until the people realise that, it, it's going to get very ugly. So, and you know, and it's going to get ugly anyway. But I, I still, still, still see a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I believe in the human race. I have faith in the human race. I believe we will come through this if people can keep their voices strong, keep the message out there, keep their courage, keep their, um, you know, their integrity and their their willingness to be human, and don't don't allow them to change you. Don't don't allow them to remap you or genetically alter you or any of this stuff under the guise of protecting you. It's a lie. It's a scam. These people are psychopaths of the worst kind, the most evil people we've ever faced. And humanity is literally standing on a knife edge. But ultimately, I think we will we will prevail. You know? It's a great way to end it. You being where you are means we'll be able to chat more often than we have done because when you've been in Brisbane, it's been difficult. Um, for, for you know, expecting you to get up at two, three in the morning, even though to be fair to you, you did it plenty of times. Look, I, from the bottom of my heart, um, what a courageous thing you've done. I really believe that, and I just wish you the very best there. I hope you'll be happy there. I have no doubt you will be. Um, you're you're a guy who gets along with people. You're a guy with skills, and um, and you've got a lot of um friends. And a lot of people who admire what it is you do. So good luck there in Mexico in the coming days and weeks. And um, we'll pick this up again right soon. But just let me tell you, uh, without the slightest bit of exaggeration, I've had hundreds of messages come through richieallen.co.uk. And if you want to read them yourself, if you get five minutes to yourself, uh, if you go on my website where it says comment live at the top, you'll see the outpouring of them. comradeship for uh, for our comrade uh, Max Egan mate good luck there and uh, let's speak again before Christmas absolutely Richie thanks for having me on brother and you take care and stay safe over there mate stay strong stay safe stay focused stay powerful and believe in yourself because we're really getting 
to that point where we we all have to face infinity without flinching. So, yeah, thanks for having me on, brother. Talk Not soon. at all, mate. Great to catch up with you again. Godspeed to Max Egan. Thanks, Max. What a situation that is, eh? Having to leave Brisbane, knowing that if you don't, your ability to leave will will disappear. The possibility of ever leaving would disappear because they would mandate the jabs for anybody getting on a plane, leaving the country. And he knows there's a very good possibility that he'll never be allowed back in to Australia because he will never have a jab and he won't submit to being tested for he for a virus he doesn't believe exists. I respect Max's opinion on that. I don't know if it exists or not. I've never said it does or it doesn't because I don't know. I operate on the basis that maybe there's been some virus, that there's been some illness um, that circulated early in 2020, only because I was very, very ill myself with something that felt very, very, very strange to me. I talked about it, the altitude sickness part of it, you know, the inability to breathe, yet not having any any mucus or blockage on, on my chest. I don't know. And you're wasting your time screaming at me that it hasn't been isolated and it doesn't exist because I don't know and you don't know either. It's what you believe. And that's it. And ultimately, we're arguing apples and pears, really, because of where we are now at this juncture, with the dodgy jab rollout and all the rest of it. So I, I, I just don't see the point in having those arguments. And like I said, I won't argue with you because I just don't know. <laughs> ah, it's never existed, Richie. They never isolated. Right, you believe that. Fair enough. I don't know. I don't know. I've seen papers online where they claim to have isolated it. But look, it doesn't matter. I'm kind of contradicting myself now because I'm giving time to it. But Max is a clever bloke and he doesn't believe it ever existed. That's fair enough. I respect that opinion. It's uh, six and a half minutes to the top of the hour. This is the Richie Allen Show for Thursday. That is Thursday, the 21st of October, 2021. Yeah. Listen, a number of you have been in touch with me. And you've said, Richie, Podbean isn't up uploading your podcast anymore. Now, I use Podomatic.com. And what should happen from Podomatic.com is that when I upload this evening's episode, it should go to pretty much every other major podcast provider. But many of them are blocking the podcast from this program. And some of the others are editing the podcasts. That's kind of par for the course. So I would say to you, if you're struggling to get the podcast on your regular podcast provider, remember, it is uploaded to podomatic.com. So try there first, you know, and, and, and do it that way. Failing that, listen to it live. Look, this isn't in any way now, you know, a kind of a lean or a nod to martyrdom. It isn't. I am not, nor have I ever been important. But let me tell you this. I know in my bones that before too long, this radio show will be no more. I know it in my bones. 
the deleting of the podcasts, the deleting of the YouTube channels, getting booted off of Twitter, the PayPal account being closed is only the beginning of it. The editing of the podcasts. There was a lot of talk today and yesterday about the online harms bill. Pretty soon, programmes like this will be illegal. What I mean by that is it will be illegal for me to broadcast them. Oh, well, you'll do it anyway, won't you, Richie? Mm, Yes and no, because they will confiscate equipment. That's all in the near future. That's not middle distance stuff. That's in the near future. They're coming for this programme. I know that. And again, that's not me trying to assign myself some sort of importance in the fight against this. I am no more or less important than any other independent broadcaster. What sets me apart is the audience size. It's the only programme of its kind that does this. There isn't another one like it. They won't put up with it. I've been told this by luminaries of broadcasting, by by professors of journalism that I am still in touch with, have said, Richie, they're coming for this programme. Within the next year and a half to two years, they will legislate for programmes like this. They will say, you can no longer broadcast programmes like this because you are causing harm. It'll be made illegal and any attempt to broadcast thereafter will result in the confiscation of equipment. That's a fact now. Again, that isn't fear-mongering. That's a guarantee. So you've got to be prepared for that. And we've got to look at what we could do in the event that comes to pass. What, what, what would you do then in terms of broadcasting? How would you go about connecting with people? I have no idea. It's way above my, it's way above my head, that sort of thing. What would you do, you know? I talked, or, or, or I certainly did talk about, and I've thought a lot about the, the, the live shows, the live stage shows, but that's not going to be possible either. Anyway, look, thanks again to Max. I'll be with you on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock UK time on the website. Listen through richieallen.co.uk. It's Sunday morning melodies. It's a chilled, totally relaxed programme with some good tunes and some interesting stories. It's, uh, it's good company, I think. So join me on Sunday at 10 o'clock UK time. Until then, it's bye from me. Thanks again to Max Egan. And the very, very best of luck to Max in the coming days and weeks and months there. It must be very disorientating for him at the moment. Bye from me. Bye now. The road is long.